Hello and welcome to our very merry DIY Christmas. The idea of doing this is we know that you're hit by the pandemic and you can't go out and be extravagant and go to public places and mingle with a lot of your friends and family this Christmas. So we said we'll do a do-it-yourself Christmas, which is we'll get our expert elves to help you set up your home do some cooking do some baking basically set you up with comfort levels that your home becomes the haven it should be and i'm really pleased to welcome my expert elf as far as the cooking and baking department is concerned it's chef himal hey greetings and compliments of the season how are you doing i hope your family and you are safe and healthy all well all well how are you doing very very well can't complain thank you very very much uh, for agreeing to be one of our expert elves as far as food so and baking is concerned because uh, you know being part of the santa club is amazing and getting to actually spread the joy is part of being a chef so i'm just glad you guys asked me to do this i'm really happy being here i want to start with all the simple diy stuff that you can cover at home during christmas chef amal i know that you've been kind enough to say that you're going to actually go out there and do a video for us on how to make a, a classic spiced chocolate cake but i know that in your specialty in your a santa bag of specialities christmas approved santa approved is you know a classic stolen christmas yule log a christmas uh, you know beverage cake all kinds of stuff so give us some valuable tips on what we can do this christmas as far as baking up a storm is concerned sure so i think you know something that you didn't mention was like a hot chocolate which is very very simple but given the weather and the vibe of christmas it's a must and it's very very simple you know the uh, thing that you usually people kind of falter with is the proportion of the milk and the chocolate so it's very simple you take 1 cup of whole fat milk do not skim on the milk quality you know definitely take full fat milk uh, you know i would actually recommend having a2 cow milk so 1 cup of that and half cup of bittersweet chocolate you can take any brandy one but if you want it to be something from the swiss alps try the belgian calibit chocolate uh, they have the 811 which is bittersweet and that goes really well with the uh, hot chocolate you imagine having in restaurants is exactly what you'll get at home and for the kind who kind of like it to be slightly sweeter i would say add about 2 uh, to 4 teaspoons of sugar mix it all together and just boil and while you're boiling ensure you're stirring you're whisking while you're boiling this hot chocolate you don't want it to just stay on the stove and leave it it's something you need to kind of continuously do because you don't want a part of the chocolate mix and part of it kind of stuck on the bottom of your pan it's really simple it's absolutely delicious and it's almost sinful so i mean and it's approved by santa so it's definitely something all of us <laughs> can have santa so. approved it is if i can ask you apart from the hot chocolate just give me one more cake you know something really simple that we can rustle up for a diy christmas so you know how about a christmas pudding cake which is absolutely delicious and it's gluten free so the simple proportion for that i would say would would be if you're taking a uh, one cup of black tea just have one teaspoon of that in one cup of water boil it till it turns black strain it and keep it on the side let it cool take two cups of almond meal almond meal is nothing but almond which is ground in your mixer grinder you also get it in stores by the brand almond meal i mean there'll be different brands selling it but the name almond meal but you just need to kind of churn it in a mixer you know the almonds that you get regularly and that's your almond meal you take 3/4 cups of chopped almonds 1 cup raisin 1 cup cranberries 
one cup of candied cherries and uh, if you want to spike it a little bit you can definitely add a little bit of old monk a uh, proportion to add old monk would just be about say half a cup uh, if you're adding half cup of old monk you're going to take half cup of coconut oil which is the fat proportional uh, to the cake if you're not going to be adding old monk i suggest taking one cup of coconut oil now it's very simple because there is no sugar or anything else that goes in this process what we're going to do is when uh, we've already cooled down the one cup of black tea that we have prepared we take all the ingredients except for almond meal and almond and we whisk it together personally i don't like it to be too sweet so i avoid the sugar but if you would like i would recommend adding to the mix we're going to be adding half cup of brown sugar and we're going to whisk it and we're going to in a separate bowl whisk two beaten eggs so you're going to just beat your eggs and you need, you need to make it really fluffy like you're making an omelet and add your almond flour to that and add the chopped almonds to the whisked eggs and then you just pour the black tea mix that we uh, the concoction that we made and just you know like so, sort of fold it in now i don't know if people have followed shit screeks but people have this confusion about what folding in is but folding in is just a process of slightly mixing all ingredients together like you fold clothes without actually shaking it so that you remove the air you need it to do it really softly and gently so that the air that you whisked in the egg is not kind of you know disappears evaporated basically so that batter goes into an 8 inch uh, pan because the proportion i've given you would be great for an 8 inch baking tray and you obviously have to first line your tray uh, you will line it uh, if you have a baking paper that'll be great cut it in the size put it in it's kind of easy if you do not have that you need to grease it with because we've used coconut oil as a fat we're going to use coconut oil to grease it uh, we're going to dust some uh, flour so now since we've used almond flour i prefer using the same flour that was there in the cake to dust off and grease the uh, line the tray and then you just pour in your batter and in an oven which is preheated for 180 degrees we're going to put it for 20 minutes check after 18 minutes because each oven has a separate heating way of kind of working on its uh, bakes so you just need to be sure but in my oven for 180 degrees 20 minutes which is basically i'm talking about a home oven so it's just perfectly fine and it's going to be this pudding texture which is not too uh, spongy but soft and you know you need to let it cool down before you actually cut like it's very very tempting to take a bite but you want it to come out of the oven rest for say about 30 minutes before you actually dig it this goes great with ramen raisin ice cream guys like it's ah it's amazing great. sounds yummy chef amal your influences personally in food i mean uh, just talk us through that journey so okay fun fact i'm actually an investment banker turned chef and i've been a big foodie i belong to a family of foodies and growing up uh, both my grandmothers have been a very very strong influence because i think you know back in the days they used to make everything at home you know right from the safe puri ka puri to the pani puri ka puri so you know my dad's a gujarati my mom the kashmiri so i had these two different influences uh, you know coming in in terms of the cuisines that were made at home and we lived and i've been born and brought up in bombay so living in bombay you anyways a melting pot you're exposed to so many different cultures so it's uh, i think it's just seeing them you know every time you come back from school my granny had this uh, papri chaat ready for me ke you know nashte mein papri chaat khayenge and, and the thing is now that i look back she used to make the puris from scratch and i didn't realize it but 
it kind of left this you know mark that it's okay like it's very natural to do all this in the kitchen because now when i'm in my kitchen i tend to do everything from scratch like if i'm if i have a burger on my menu right from my buns to my sauces to the mayo to everything is kind of done in the kitchen you know i don't usually like getting branded buns or stuff which is completely fine you know if you're doing it but just as a brand i like to do everything from scratch so and i guess that kind of goes back to the time seeing them make everything from scratch and i think just the fact that i'm sort of a fusion when it comes to gujarati kashmiri bombay a lot of my food like basically i'm i represent myself in all my dishes because uh, it has a big influence of how i see food and um, i think i can also uh, credit my mom for that uh, she's a doctor but uh, when it comes to being a homemaker at home she's like any other housewife and uh, i think big respect to them because uh, to be honest uh, just the other day i was talking to my brother and he's like you know there's so much respect suddenly that i have for mom because you know every time she cleaned the fridge it was like a tet- game of tetris like you know you remove this tag you kind of stock it you put it here there's an empty row and then suddenly you have more things coming in saved after dinner so in my house breakfast is usually this leftover special and trust me if you've had dinner at my house if you come for breakfast the very next day it'll be the same stuff but you will not know it's the same stuff wow yeah it's crazy so there's a vegetable and dal leftover my mom mixes it and makes muthiya out of it which is like this gujarati dish and it is steamed dumpling sort of you know like a steam noki i don't know you can just term it the way you want and make it fancy but yeah i mean and i think all those things have kind of influenced me in a way wherein i've become more sustainable in my kitchen i have realized that you know because when you're uh, running a business you're also looking at the cost the budget uh, as much as you want to promote the quality and the taste you also want to ensure it's a business and not a hobby so all of these things have come the come together for me so um yeah i think i'm just i guess it was meant to be that i enter the kitchen it i was just kind of going down this path wherein i started from medicine and then i went to investment banking and you know and then finally coming to this so sort of getting like the medical background helps me understand the nutritional value the investment banking sort of helps me with my inventory budgeting and then you know my parents and grandparents being these big foodies just sort of came together for me you know to become a chef so yeah That's quite a fascinating uh, nugget that you've given us there. In terms of your career, if I'm not mistaken, it took shape in around 2016, around about the time you decided to move from investment banking into food. So, just the career progression, if we could do a bit on that. So, basically, um I was in the US. I was working for an investment fund in um the Dumac Investment Fund, which is with the Duke University Investment Fund, and right across from the office was the sushi restaurant. And we used to have our office meetings right there. and uh, i was just very fascinated that you know the office meetings usually are like literally 20 minutes you know you have your lunch break and that's when you actually have your meetings but it was an experience you know like it always left this like excitement ki okay today our meeting is at the restaurant so we're kind of going there and so one fine day i just walked up and i don't know why and how i spoke to the manager and i said i want to work with you guys and he's like you have a resume and you know what's your background and i said well i work across the street we keep and he sort of knew me so he's like you know maybe she was kind of shifting careers or something and i'm like uh, no i'm going to continue working at the office i'll join the second shift you know if that works and uh, because i was in the us we also have the visa issue h1b is a work visa and you only get to work uh, officially at the place where in your visa is issued 
food for and uh, so i obviously told him i do not want to pay so it was more of a volunteer job and uh, i just happened to be lucky because the owner of the restaurant happened to be an alumni from the university i did my graduation from hmm. Yeah, and he also happened to be a Gujarati. He was a Patel. <laughs> <laughs> no surprises there. I mean, Patels are everywhere. Everywhere. Like yeah. So that's where I actually entered the commercial side. Like for me, cooking was always, like I said, has always been an integral part of the family. You know, celebrations and everything. Like. food was the center point for the entire family so growing up uh, kitchen wasn't something i wasn't uh, you know aware of or it was and especially having working parents or something i would kind of just naturally get into if mom wasn't around but um, the part that i actually got to experience while i was working in the investment bank and thankfully in the us uh, the work life balance is very very strict and yes. um, you know i mean when you talk about investment banks they usually don't really uh, let you pursue something else because there's no time to do anything else but because i was part of a duke university fund they were pretty good with shutting office at 6 and in fact if you worked beyond 6 you were inefficient you were kind of looked down upon so that kind of worked in my favor and uh, i worked there for 6 months so basically i would do a 9 to 6 office desk job and then from the 7 pm shifts i would go take a break for an hour 7 pm to 12 am i would work at the restaurant and head home and i was a hostess there i was the bartender there i mean although i don't think my bartending skills were that good because i was there for like a week in the bartending section and they kind of realized that's not my forte so um, yeah then i shifted to being a server and then finally i got to go to the you know back end so it works sort of um, you know in investment banking you work from the back end to front in restaurants you kind of get to understand what the front house works like and then you go behind yeah and then i entered the kitchen now the funny thing about the kitchen was i literally was doing nothing but cleaning but i was so happy that place made me so happy because i just knew this is what i want to do and um, the more i so obviously this was sushi was a completely new cuisine for me uh, we've not eaten that at home and you know it was obviously when you would travel you would get to taste it was like one of those exotic things you would kind of do once in a while so actually being in the kitchen and understanding the things that go into making a sushi was very very fascinating and the biggest you know takeaway for me was ingredients they're so important you know like uh, they would actually have their fish come in from japan and then the right temperature needs like the checkpoint of the inventory coming in you know keeping a stock of what needs to be there the shelf life and keeping you know ensuring it's kind of there nothing is 86 so 86 is a restaurant term for uh, saying something's not available and you know so it it's it's just like learning these small nuances about the business and just understanding the camaraderie between the front and the back and the chefs within the team and like each hierarchy uh, it was like it's amazing like for me i was in wonderland you know <laughs> and from there i knew this is what i wanted to do and 6 months into that i called my parents up and i said i'm coming back uh, unfortunately if i want to pursue something in this field i can't do it in the us i need to come back home and i want to explore this for myself they kind of laughed they said we spent so much on your education <laughs> why didn't you do hotel management which was a very valid question because um, growing up i always told everyone eventually i want to own a restaurant so i think somewhere deep down i knew this was my calling 
but i just didn't know um which path i need to take to get there you know the path i took kind of just went in circles a bit but uh, yeah and um, they actually for a year tried to dissuade me you know you won't have holidays you'll be working on weekends whenever we celebrating you're actually in the kitchen you're working and you know your your main days of working are when people are actually you know celebrating so the family life and there is this certain angle and especially when it comes to um, girls parents they have this angle of you know you need to do a, you start your own family are you sure you want to do this and i was so sure i was like i was i had never been more sure of anything because it's just something that gave me so much pleasure that i was like this is exactly what i want to do and um, as much as that one year went in you know trying to tell them that i definitely want to do this what i did was i traveled for one year that year i traveled southeast asia my brother stays in seoul so i had a base and then i would go up and down and work with different chefs like i would just walk up i think the confidence that i got with my first stint as the volunteer in the us to just walk up and ask for a job which i don't think if i wasn't in the us in india i would have had that courage to just go to a restaurant and say i mean things have changed a lot now but back then like 5 years ago things were very very different so i mean that really helped me because i would literally just go to a new city and say that i went to bali and i went up to this restaurant i'm like i really like the food i want to work of course there's a communication error sometimes because the local language is not i mean you're not really well versed with it but people have been so warm and welcoming and it's just been like I'm just so glad I pursued this. So it took me a year to convince them and a year to obviously understand myself to which cuisine, where my forte lies, what I want to pursue. And thankfully when I got back, I had friends in the industry and I started reaching out to them and then actually started reaching out to chefs in Bombay. The chef Nitin from the Clearing House, he actually was kind enough. He said, "Sure, you're most welcome." He opened up his kitchen doors for me. I was an intern for a month at the clearing house and uh, you know so the indian concept and the indian setup is slightly different i mean with uh, restaurants like mask and uh, bombay canteen things in the kitchen are slightly different but at the clearing house a little bit was still like the old concept wherein you have uh, people from all different classes and a lot of mixed crowd coming in as chefs as well right and uh, so chef nitin was always a little uh, you know conservative and like there were three of us were women chefs so you know ensure that all three of you guys are together when you're on leave so if you're taking leave you got to take leave together and all of that so just adapting to that whole different culture was something um, you know that i didn't know of before when i came in and uh, slowly it kind of just uh, made me understand how things work in india in terms of vendors or you know again because whatever is have you know in a different country does not apply to your country each country has their own set of rules and uh, i guess from there i um, started working on my own you know curating my menus and doing a little bit of catering outside and uh, i actually met somebody through a catering um who was opening a restaurant actually a like a hotel in goa and it was a resort or a spa um or a spa retreat in mandrim and they were looking for a chef um who was basically um somebody who could do healthy food but also have like a world cuisine you know base to them and we kind of met had a good vibe going and um, 
it just kind of happened and i was the chef there and you know a lot of my learnings on uh, in that sense have been on field i have basically learned while working and uh, so setting up the kitchen building my team and all of that was uh, as much as i was doing it and teaching you know the other staff it was also a learning for me because i was creating in that sense a brand for the uh, you know resort as well as well as for myself to understand the kind of food i'm putting out and you know like the trust that they had put in me i needed to understand how i'm kind of add value to their uh, brand as well so that was a great experience and uh, i think uh, somewhere because this was something fell in alignment for me while i was there uh, chef sanjana and her husband actually visited goa and they stayed at our property and she actually really liked the food and uh, in conversation she said whenever you come to bomb Bombay, why don't you meet me and you know we can think of doing something together and uh, everything just fell in place so then i was the head chef at la folie lab and uh, i think uh, having worked with her she's a genius it was you know it was a completely different ball game because there it was um, me creating everything from scratch and me being my own critic and of course getting the feedback from customers with uh, chef sanjana because she has you know this expertise in the field already and she also has a really you know her palate is also um, refined so the kind of food she wanted for lab and the kind of food i was bringing in just refining and you know clubbing all of that together gave me a completely new dimension to the kind of stuff i could do and uh, i think i'm really grateful for that opportunity that she gave me because i realized what i finally wanted to do while working at lab and um, then finally uh, last year i decided to venture out and um, adorn the chef you know cap also as much as the entrepreneur cap so now i'm a chefpreneur and uh, yeah i'm working under my own brand which is chef himal so that's the i don't think it's in a i can't kind of you know make it more uh, brief than this but uh, yeah it's been like it's been an adventure in its own so yeah what what in your experience should home chefs prepare for mentally and physically and equipment wise if there are any home chefs out there sure i think the first thing i would say is please be prepared that you need to understand that you think it's very glamorous because i still have friends like you know my own friends who look up to me and oh my god you're still working you know a lot of people during the pandemic can't work you're so lucky you get to work i mean i'm lucky i'm blessed i'm very very grateful but i'm putting in those hours as well you know i mean it luck is something which is a, like a minuscule part of the entire game and as glamorous that especially with chefs right now being celebrity chefs people think it's all fun and games being in front of the camera and you know like getting especially now with influencers as well they find it like oh you get free stuff but no you put in those hours nothing in life is free you know so it's just a mindset that i would like them to understand that this is a very hard job before you plan to uh, Uh, get into the business side of it you need to understand as a difference between hobby when you cook for a day and when you cook the same thing consistently for the rest of your life you know i mean it's as simple as that so they need to be mentally prepared then they need to have the exact proportion of rest i think something that i learned along the way was you know by fluke i can make an amazing dal but having that same dal 
every single day with the same, like because if i'm doing a business if i'm not in the kitchen my kitchen still needs to run so i need to have a sop which is basically the recipe in a proportional format wherein anybody making it in my kitchen is being able to match that flavor profile of course there's a certain thing that comes with you know kind of practicing and understanding and if i'm making and my staff is making it but the exact taste will kind of always stay constant if you're consistent with your proportion so the first thing would be uh, mentally being prepared that it's not a hobby it's a business it you have to have to have things uh, your recipes written down to the t wherein you can consistently recreate and scale your business and third i would say that you know it doesn't matter if you don't have the best of the equipments right now sometimes people's mentality goes like i don't have a kitchen day kitchen aid stand mixer so i can't bake well you don't need a kitchen you have to put in the hard work to first get to the level to kind of deserve a kitchen so i mean if you're blessed and you can afford it go for it there's nothing wrong with it but you know some people just go like they kind of feel bad that because i don't have a stand mixer i can't make cookies but that's not the case you know you can hand whisk you also have the uh, electric whisk that you can use so there are different things you can kind of do to reach to the level where you can actually afford a stand mixer eventually but just as example of you know something like this even in terms of creating a menu what home chefs tend to do is they uh, sometimes have a huge menu or they just have one menu so i mean it depends on each person and their um, you know their level of expertise or their level of being able to put that kind of amount of work to putting it out there the food out there so i wouldn't say anything is right or wrong but i would say stick to what you believe like you need to understand what your brand values are before you start off to make this a business like have any three things in mind whether it's going to be about uh, your ingredients it's going to be about the kind of orders you're going to take in like i know somebody who takes only five orders a day which is fine but then you stand by it you know what happens is sometimes when you just start off you want to please everyone and there's a simple rule you cannot please everyone there is going to be somebody or the other who will feel your food is not good enough or you know the temperature is not right or texture is not right or something or the other i mean you obviously need to take feedback you need to learn to improve but there's a fine balance in trying to you know go out of your way and bending over and out and all of that to kind of please people so i would say in that sense it's just very simple you, you know you basically it's all about your mindset eventually in the end of it but in terms of if you're talking about money and all of that i don't think that really comes into the picture right now when in a home chef but to start off uh, as a home chef anything is fine uh, just have a certain rule about the values the vision that you have and then go from there because um, if you have a certain plan you kind of can go into things in a more organized manner so like it's there's something that nigella lawson said and uh, i i actually really admire her so i look up to things she says and uh, i really like the way she presents herself and um, she said cooking is a metaphor for life and she said that you know you have to have a certain organization in terms you know we need to be more organized in the way you kind of cook so when things come you kind of know how to do and when to do and you kind of quick with your reactions but you also need to realize that even though you follow every small details you might end up making mistakes but the process of rectifying those mistakes is what's really going to give you that pleasure and end result which is going to be truly yours so likewise if i am following najla's recipe 
I may follow it exact to the T, but there is going to be something that might differ. But you know, the fact that I kind of do it my way to rectify where I go wrong with her recipe, I create my own recipe, my own learnings, and that's what will differentiate. Like, you know, like the chef who's just cooking at home for, or actually somebody who's cooking at home versus a chef. So that's the other thing. Now people call everybody chefs. You know, it's yeah, like anybody correct. cooking has become a chef, which is fine. But then there's a difference. Uh, you know, there's a difference between a cook and a chef. If you're stuck at home for a long time, like the pandemic, <laughs> and you want to teach yourself how to cook. How would you advise one to do it? Uh, right now, you have lots of options. Uh, firstly, I think the best way is to just open YouTube. You wanna make a recipe, you know, Google it. You have YouTube, and you have lots of other platforms and influencers actually putting out recipes. You have Instagram. That's the easiest and the most uh, simplest and free way of doing it. If you're really interested in something like that, there are lots of workshops happening around. Like a lot of people are doing workshops. In fact, even I do culinary workshops, cooking workshops, and there are so many other chefs who are also doing these workshops. Now, I would just say that to start off. Um, because today everything is so digital it's kind of just easier to google and understand what you want to create and go about it in fact sometimes google also helps you if you have like five ingredients just put in those five ingredients it'll give you recipes based on those ingredients you know so either ways i guess that's the best way of doing it but if you want to get a little bit more refined understand more there are so many platforms that are offering workshops um, there are so many chefs who are doing it i would highly recommend people to kind of you know attend these workshops shops and understand and you know you kind of get a sense of um, the when the ex like for me also like i still go for workshops and you know attend these uh, seminars and stuff because it's a learning and you know you can't ever have enough of knowledge and it never goes waste so it's always fun to kind of learn even if you don't plan to recreate it sometimes just knowing how to do it kind of is a fun thing you know and it's also a sort of a recreational activity i think right now when you're sitting at home so i would highly recommend doing that comfort food for you personally would be ha so um, that that's like um asking you a very difficult question but if i had to say one thing i would say anything with prawns i mean i absolutely love prawns but i mean honestly if i'm dying and i need my comfort food they'll have to serve me like five different things because uh, i mean you know when i close my eyes um i can think of my granny making rogan josh and that's something i would absolutely devour if i had dadi around i would have her make me uh, you know like dal dhokli so i mean honestly i can't a pinpoint but um let me be fair to all my uh, influences uh, so i will say uh, you know dal dhokli rogan josh and um, honestly anything cooked by my mom also like uh, i love her to death and anything cooked by her is comfort food for me but more recently i actually have started loving the asian flavors so i say i think uh, i would say thai green curry with rice i can okay. eat that for the rest of my life the beauty of indian cooking to you is it's an art form like i'll tell you what with baking it's very scientific you have to be exact with your proportion with most other cuisines what happens is i i would say uh, cooking in general is an art form but with indian cooking you have so many different uh, spices and herbs and you know the process is slow like you have to enjoy every moment to get the last uh, end result you cannot hurry up indian cooking and each ingredient actually 
is a hero it kind of adds certain things to the end result and that culmination sort of i think is you know beautiful in itself that you can't take of you you don't tend to get that kind of um, variation in other cuisines because i mean if you go down you know down south or north east west there's such distinct flavors and you know you actually go back to nature if you kind of traditionally look at the way things are cooked the ingredients that are used is basically because of the region it's because of the season and there's such beautiful stories to it like you just and however modern you want to go with your techniques you kind of come back to where it all started from and uh, i think with indian cuisine that's something that we've sort of been able to retain somewhere we were a little lost but i think now a lot of chefs are kind of you know celebrating our cuisine again and uh, i think that's uh, something which is very very beautiful so yeah the beauty of western cuisine For me western cuisine again um, I actually get very nostalgic about that because it's for me that's where it all started like this for me this journey as a chef was when I was in the US and it was uh, me cooking for my friends and me uh, you know so my house eventually while I was studying there had become a sort of takeaway hub like you know anybody hungry at one in the night also would call me and you know prepare this for us and you know why do you make something for us and uh, I would do it I mean I absolutely love doing it and uh, so if i have to talk about the cuisine apart from the nostalgia part of being in the us for me i think it's it's nice subtle flavors it is uh, the beauty is in uh, just enjoying a parsley uh, like a lemon parsley chicken versus a you know chicken masala which both are tasty both are delicious but i think the subtlety in your western cuisine and also um, in terms of techniques uh, there are certain te- techniques which um, you know i guess in terms of firm making meat or you know just like while you're roasting also you might be like the same chicken that i would roast in a indian format i could actually use coal and stuff where when i'm actually doing it you know for the uh, western cuisine i'm not there are certain ways of roasting it that also for me is whole different dimension you can't actually for me i don't think i can differentiate so much between the um, uh, uh, you know cuisines in terms of cooking because in general i think um, there's such a wide gamut of things you can experience and you can uh, overlay with things um and especially today where um, you know things it's become like you've become a small uh, community in the sense the entire world so even in terms of our techniques like while making a kebab also i end up using you know the torching technique now like because i don't have a tandoor at home so i'm using the torch which is technically not part of our cuisine sort of so i mean i guess now with uh, you know you just tend to use what is best of uh each side and kind of just intermingle with it and create your own uh, thought of this so what does chef hamal do uh, let's talk about the the services that you offer yeah. Okay so Chef Himal started off as a catering business and I think somewhere down the line we got into food delivery and uh, today now we are we have a food delivery section we have catering and pop-ups unfortunately due to the pandemic we aren't doing pop-ups but we also are into corporate meal boxes and festive hampers so in fact for christmas we have a festive hamper and uh, we i also do a lot of bakes so there are these retail products that i have gotten to uh, more recently i just launched my laksa curry paste 
which is uh, one of my um, i think not only my favorite but you know my entire customer base favorite dish from the menu and what i did was now i created a paste and you guys can actually create the thing by just having coconut milk and the paste and you get the curry made at home so that's what i have ventured into now i also am into a consulting so do i curate menus for restaurants and you know different cafes coming up so uh, i guess we are covering a wide gamut of things but uh, primarily right now due to the pandemic we're into uh, food delivery and uh, doing a lot of hampers so right from both announcements to uh, diwali to christmas to holi or if you have a birthday party also at home right now because of the pandemic you tend to have these boxes that you give individual people you know like though you go back to the old school of having the children birthday celebration so stuff like that yeah so how can we reach chef imal uh, would you give uh, out your points of contact coordinates please and uh, in social media of course so follow instagram handle at the rate chef imal that's s r c h e f h e m a l chef imal and on facebook i go by the same handle chef imal and you can also email me if you have any queries or you know you want to know more about what we do and you can reach out to us at hichefhimal@gmail.com so that's just h i c h e f h e m a l since we're doing a diy christmas do it yourself christmas i got to ask you are you a diy person around the house yourself or is it just food that you're in control of i mean like changing bulbs fixing things setting up stuff <laughs> okay so um i don't think i will call myself a diy but i sort of am my mom is a big diy person like um so <laughs> this is hilarious my dad and mom might just kill me for doing this but um so my dad's old pants was kind of, he was using them for like 5 years and we all were sick of it but my mom is not the kind who can throw away things so we kind of kept them in the pile where we need to give away stuff she kind of removes those pants and recently i just had a burn mark because of you know baking and stuff and uh, she realized that my oven mittens aren't good enough and so what my mom did was she actually made oven mittens out of those pants how cool that is really cool that is a diy christmas <laughs> yeah yeah you know helping so, the daughter yeah. bake yeah <laughs> So yeah, that that uh, the stuff like that. I mean, I've just grown up seeing her do things, and hopefully, I will be imbibing those qualities, uh, if not all, some of them. But yeah, like doing small things like that, uh, and especially now with uh, dad has suddenly got into carpentry as well. You know, so I tend to become his helper around. holding the drill machine the carpenter version of sous chef <laughs> yes exactly exactly so mm. yeah i mean i think in general as a family we are a big diy family so yeah we tend to do a lot of that at home listen have yourself a very very merry christmas uh, thank you for being part of our uh, diy christmas santa approved chef amal all the best to you and your family take care thank Bye-bye. you so much my christmas bye